1999, Tecmo announced that they were starting development on a next-generation Ninja Gaiden project. And to create it, they selected Team Ninja, made famous for their work on the Dead or Alive series. As the hype train left the station, Team Ninja spent the next five years working on a reboot of the Ninja Gaiden series, made famous as a trilogy of games for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Was this modern reboot of an NES classic what people expected? And what exactly did Next Generation mean? We'll talk about this and more on today's ninja-filled trip down memory card lane. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Also, happy Mardi Gras. <laughs> I hope these words find you well. Hello and welcome to the 79th episode of our Video Game Nostalgia podcast, A Trip Down Memory Card Lane. Each week, we take a look back at one game relevant to the current week in gaming history, and we talk about it. While doing so, we hope to teach you something new about the game, what it took from the world as its inspiration, and what it gave back to the world as its legacy. This week, we're looking back at Ninja Gaiden released on March 2nd, 2004 for the original Xbox. I'm David Casson, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host who just loves stupid, hard games like this one, my brother, Rob Casson. Rob, games are supposed to be fun. Why? Well, Dave, I'll ask you a counter question. Why are you playing Elden Ring? So hard. (laughs) (laughs) But aren't you having fun yet? When you accomplish something, yes. While doing it, not necessarily. Now, Dave, ask yourself again about this game. Yeah, I'm having fun. It's sweaty as all get out, though. Well, no, I mean, ask yourself again about Ninja Gaiden. Are you having fun? Why do people like stupid hard games? Because the accomplishment feels great. It's a true statement. Well, what are you playing? Well, obviously Elden Ring. Yeah, that's pretty much got all of our attention right now. <laughs> yeah, but still, even with that, managing to get some Rocket League in, and as always, got to get the RuneScape on. Yep. How about yourself? Same. Except add Forza to the mix because I'm a glutton for punishment and still manage to keep up on the Forza weeklies. I think you're also forgetting Valheim. Oh, I played Valheim on Sunday too. Good call. Yeah, I played some Valheim. Yeah, I like that game. You'd like that game too. We'll get you into it someday. Someday. Um. Yeah, Elden Ring. So Elden Ring came out last week on Thursday. And uh, we all have it. Uh, and it's hard. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm in, I, I like the world. I like the world. I like new things. It's not impossible, but it's definitely hard. But it can be at times. But hey, yeah. that's half the fun. It's frustrating. It, it, uh, it, <sighs> 
I feel like with a game like that, and I'm only having this discussion because it's pertinent to what we're going to talk about today. I feel like with a game, a very hard game like these, that you have to super concentrate. And I'm not always in the mood for that when I play games. Or I can't maintain that level of concentration for that long. So whereas I could just sit and play a mindless game and the hour, the days just go by, I can't necessarily do that with this one, if that makes sense. Hey, Dave. Yeah. How many hours do you have in Rocket League? Oh, 900, probably. Plus. Your argument's out the window. Well, it's mindless. I said I could just do that for hours. <laughs> I can't do Elden Ring for... I, I'm only, what, like 15 hours in Elden Ring, I think I am. I'm just saying it requires much more mechanical skill with Rocket League because you're constantly adapting to things. I mean, with games like Elden Ring and I'm assuming Ninja Gaiden, although I haven't had the pleasure of playing it, that it's all about learning the pattern. But we'll get into that. We will. We will. So we're looking at Ninja Gaiden today and we've covered Ninja Gaiden before. So if you, dear listeners, want to learn about the first game in our Ninja Gaiden series... Just go back one year this week uh, on episode 27th, the first week of March of 2021. We did an episode on the 1989 version of this game, and we talked briefly about the historical depictions of ninjas. Excuse me. And we talked briefly about the historical depictions of ninjas. Ninjas? (laughs) Ninjas. I also realized that I probably more than likely based last week or the, the first game in the series off of the release date for this game and not its actual release date which was like november so i broke the rule a long time ago not just last week oops you can of course if you're wondering find episodes old episodes of our podcast on our website which is www.membercardlane.com or you can go back to the archives anywhere you listen to your podcasts the first game in the Ninja Gaiden series is historically significant because it was the first NES game to have cinematic cutscenes, which is a, a very common way of storytelling today. A lot of cutscenes. Sometimes. I mean, you know, it's just some games are just cutscenes. Yeah. So that being <laughs> said, I want to take a moment to talk about the whole Ninja Gaiden series and not just the original game that came out in 1999. Um, and I kind of say original loosely. It was the first game in the, the NES trilogy, which is the what Ninja Gaiden is known for, but it wasn't necessarily the first Ninja Gaiden game ever. Prior to the NES version being released in Japan, there was an arcade version released about a month earlier that only really vaguely resembles the NES trilogy. Um, a year after the first Ninja Gaiden, we have Ninja Gaiden 2, The Dark Sword of Chaos, And a year after that, in 1991, we have Ninja Gaiden 3, the ancient ship of doom. They were just churning these things out. In 1995, all three games were released together for the Super Nintendo as a compilation called the Ninja Gaiden Trilogy. Original name there. I know, I know. And there were some others too. Um, There were some developed for the Sega. There were some developed for the Game Boy. Uh, Really, though, it was the core series on the NES that most people recognize. Uh, You know, the first game in particular, which we covered, was incredibly popular. 
and then they pushed out a sequel very quickly and then they pushed out another sequel very quickly and with each game you know people people get tired of stuff like that and so the series became less and less popular um this is actually why it ended up on other consoles so as popularity wanes they tecmo the the publisher developer of the game decided to license out the ninja gaiden franchise and this led to the creation of ninja gaiden both there was a ninja gaiden for the master system and a ninja gaiden for the game gear uh that bear pretty much no resemblance to the nes trilogy they have different stories different levels different enemies etc the game boy one was kind of in the same vein but you know not not exactly yeah and so somewhere around that time tecmo and ninja gaiden both kind of hit a wall and faded out at least one of them faded out of the public eye and it would be quite some time before we would ever see ninja gaiden again tecmo though for its credit wasn't really ready to give up the fight (laughs) almost literally (laughs) I, I, i mean if i'm honest other than tecmo bowl i can't think of a single tecmo thing at the moment oh well prepare to be wowed okay about this time, fighting games were incredibly popular. In particular, the world had just seen Sega release Virtual Fighter, which was pretty much mind-blowing. I remember Virtual Fighter because it had actual 3D polygons and 3D movement, and that was that was amazing. That was it was essentially the same feeling we got when we watched Mario go from 2D to Mario 64 3D. That's what Virtual Fighter did for the fighting industry. Uh, and we hit, we just, it was, it was amazing. And that release was a game changer for the industry. So as a result, Tecmo management put a call out to all of its development teams, basically saying we want virtual fighter, but better. And there was one person at Tecmo in particular that was sure that he could do it. He literally fought for the job. So Tomonobu Itagaki had joined Tecmo in 1992 as a graphics programmer on the Super Famicom game, Super Tecmo Bowl. There you go, Rob. Oh, I know you're Super Tecmo Bowl. Apparently that's the only other one anyone else knows. Now, Itagaki is a really interesting fellow. He is lanky, has long, dark hair, always wears sunglasses and he's he's got that attitude. He carries himself like a rock star. You 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 know the kind of guy I'm talking about? <clears throat> like the CEO in Grandma's Boy? <laughs> like kind of like the CEO in Grandma's Boy. <laughs> gotcha. Oh. You, but you, you know this is the kind of guy that like that poses for pictures with a samurai sword, you know? But was it like a cool thing or was it kind of nerdy? It was a cool Not that nerdy thing. Nerdy is wrong, but No, you know. it was it was a cool thing for him. So Itagaki made a bet with the president of Tecmo that he could deliver a quality 3D fighter to recapture the market for them. And he named that project Dead or Alive to symbolize his all or nothing approach to the situation. Have you ever played any of the Dead or Alive series? Uh, I may have played one or two. Yeah, I think you may have played one or two. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) How many have you played, Dave? Do you know actually know how many there are? Uh, probably 27. No, 
Not quite. Are there like, I'm pretty sure there's at least six. No, you're right. There's six now. There's six oh, now. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's exactly six now. Huh. Where most people thought that Itagaki was full of it, he actually did deliver. In order to create Dead or Alive, he founded a division within Tecmo that became known as Team Ninja. And in 1996, Team Ninja delivered on Itagaki's promise, releasing Dead or Alive to the world. It was, uh, let's be honest, it was successful. It's a, maybe not as much now, but for a while, it was an incredibly popular fighting game. Got a lot of press because of its boob physics. I, I don't know any other way to say it. It had very, very, all the women in it bounced a lot, right? Yeah. Right. You know what I'm talking about. Every guy knows what I'm talking about that grew up then. And it was just, they were really popular fighting games that in all honesty too, were really known for pushing the bar on 3d graphics. I, I remember for me, the big one in the series was the one that released with the 360 dead or alive four. I played a lot of dead or alive four and it was a lot of fun. I think it's a good, I think those are good fighting games. Uh, was it five then that would have been for the PlayStation four? Yeah. Because that's the one that I, the only one I did. We had a, I was <clears throat> with some fraternity brothers and they uh, had a PlayStation 4 and one of them happened to have that. But I don't know that I ever played the Xbox one, surprisingly. Yeah, yeah for me, for me, it was, it was definitely the X, the uh, three, three, specifically the 360, Xbox 360 one. So, because Dead or Alive 4, if I'm not mistaken, was a release title that I bought with my 360. And it's, hmm. I'm staring at it. It's right on my gaming shelf, so. Mm, I'm sure it is. <laughs> I never bought the volleyball ones. L little side note. So Itagaki liked to, to do what he called hobby games. And there's an offshoot of the Dead or Alive series called Dead or Alive Extreme. And that's just what it's called, Extreme. I have no idea. It's Extreme something. I can't remember. But anyways, it's a it's a bunch of summer sport games the most popular of which is some volleyball because of said physics that we were just talking about. Yes, I know guys are weird, so we're just going to move on. It's also important to know that Ru Hayabusa, the star of the original Ninja Gaiden series, is a playable character in the Dead or Alive series, which kind of integrated and expanded his story from the NES trilogy. There's not a lot of it in there, but it kind of, you know, they gave him a story for Dead or Alive and it's it it, it, it kind of fits in there a little bit. So. This all brings us to 1999 when word got out that Team Ninja was working on what was advertised as a next generation Ninja Gaiden project. Needless to say, Ninja Gaiden fans were stoked within reason, of course. You know, everyone was excited for Team Ninja. But the truth is, is that this was their first action game. It was their first game that wasn't a dead or alive. It, it, they had never done anything that wasn't a fighting game before. And so on one hand, everyone was like, cool, Tim, Team Ninja's got a reputation for really good games. But on the other hand, everyone was like, well, but we've never seen them make anything that isn't this, you know? Right. Also, this game was slated to be a reboot. And as such they basically tossed the plot from the Nintendo version at first. Uh, they decided instead to, they, they decided to set it in what they call the same continuity as the dead or alive series. So it's, it's the Rue from dead or alive and not the Rue from Ninja Gaiden. 
and, and really this was just by necessity. You know, originally the concept for this game had nothing in common with the original series, but Tecmo, likely for, let's just say, money reasons, wanted the game to retain a link with the previous trilogy. It was a Ninja Gaiden game, after all, which was more popular with North American audience than Japanese. North America's a bigger market. And so they decided to pay homage to the earlier series by including more of it in there. And this really just looks like foes, special attacks, weapons, etc. that were added to the game. And like I said, it, it, it took from Rue of Dead or Alive, but to kind of tie it together and almost separate it from the original Ninja Gaiden, they eventually declared that this Ninja Gaiden was a prequel to the NES trilogy that was set in the same timeline as Dead or Alive, which is kind of a weird way all the way around yeah itagaki also looked at the earlier games and what he took from them was that it was popular in north america because violence appealed to players and they loved the gory content and so he included the gore in ninja gaiden uh the reboot here to retain that spirit but then we also had the concept of next generation where it eventually landed is an interesting story in itself. So originally they created this game on what's called a Naomi Sega arcade board. And then the plan was to create it on the arcade and then move it over to the Dreamcast because Itagaki was a fan of Sega's Dreamcast. But, you know, they started this in 1999. They were well into development in 2000 and 2001. And then in 2001, Sega announced the end of the Dreamcast. They said, we're done with this product line. We're not going to do hardware anymore. We're out. And so the next logical choice was the PlayStation 2. And so E3 of 2001, Ninja Gaiden was reported to be a Sony PlayStation release. Eventually, though, Itagaki came up with other plans. He was super impressed with what was coming out of the Microsoft camp and got his hands on a software development kit for the Xbox and fell in love with it. And so the team quickly shifted to Xbox development, but they kept it a secret, which was really cool. And so at 2002's E3, Tecmo and Team Ninja announced that Ninja Gaiden was going to be an Xbox exclusive, which was a really big deal that year. For E3, like that wow. was the news. So I mean, that seems a little messed up though, because it was reported to be a PS2 release, and then they're just like, nah, Xbox exclusive. Yeah, well, you know, so we're used to crap like that now. I think I think in the last 20 years, uh stuff like that is is par for the course. But in 2002, it was a it was a big deal. It was a really big deal, actually. It so you have to imagine too, uh this was this was the original Xbox, so no one even knew what to expect from the Microsoft Xbox at the time. Like, no one had, let's be honest, for a while, the gaming community didn't buy into the Xbox at first because it was Microsoft. The Microsoft was known for Office and Windows and computers. Like, what the hell do they know about gaming, right? Um, and so, like, when when a game like this announced that it was going to be an Xbox exclusive, like everyone was like, what the hell? 
because again, they hadn't even bought into the Xbox itself. It was, it was one of the really big stories from that year as a result. It was, it was a really big deal. So, but um, yeah. So next generation Ninja Gaiden prequel set in the same yeah. continuity as the Dead or Alive series. A whole lot of things come together. But other than that, there really wasn't anything special about the development. You know, Team Ninja worked hard on it. Team Ninja made it. And on March 2nd, 2004, Team Ninja released Ninja Gaiden for the original Xbox. So, yeah. Um, let's talk hmm. a little bit about the game. I I played it then. Dabbled a little bit back in it now. Not much. I, I maybe played through the tutorial of it. It's just not my thing. But what I remember the most is I remember this one because I, my roommate at the time was really big into it and and played it. And uh, I mostly got to experience this game through him because I wasn't very interested in, in playing it myself. It was hard. It was it, it was hard. It was hard at a time when there weren't a lot of hard games. You know, I, I know at the top of this episode, Rob and I were talking about Elden Rings rings like it's multiple. But when Elden Ring came out, it came with the expectation that it was going to be hard. If you, you, like we, we know that that series, that developer, and everything, they have that reputation. Well, it, it's different with a game like this because this game didn't have that reputation. Team Ninja didn't have any reputation for games like this. They never made a game like this before, and so it really took a lot of people. It took a lot of people by surprise. I I would think. Well, I know myself included. Rob, mm. you said that you said at the top of when we were talking about it that Elden Ring is hard because you have to learn all of the patterns and this and that, right? Well, I mean, I, I don't think that that's why it's hard, but until you do, it is hard because you don't know how to, to beat these battles and it also comes down to consistency. You have to not only know how to do it, you have to be consistent at doing it. True. Well, I'll be honest. Ninja Gaiden is known for being hard in kind of a different way. Unlike the previous Ninja Gaiden games, which were 2D side-scrolling platformers, this reboot brought it into modern gaming as an action-adventure 3D game that's played in the third perspective. Its fighting style and presentation was and is compared to two other very famous PlayStation action-adventure games at the time, both God of War and Devil May Cry, of which you're a big fan of the latter, Devil May Cry. Mm -hmm. and, and so while developing it, Itagaki wanted to make the game hard. He knew he wanted to make it hard, but, but he, he wanted to make it alluring is the word he used. And so his decision was that he wanted to challenge players on their reflexes more so than their memories of layouts and timings. So think of not so much learning the patterns of bosses, but having to re get really good at parries and counters and things like that. Are you following me? Yeah. It's a very fast and fluid fighting style uh, and is really regarded as having one of the deeper combat engines of the time. I, I was reading a an article that was talking about it where one gentleman compared it was comparing it to God of War Devil May Cry. And the reason why he felt it was more challenging is because 
in God of War and Devil May Cry, it was really easy to interrupt your moves. Like you could start to, to roll, but then move sideways and stuff like that. But in Ninja Gaiden, once you committed to a move, you would have to see it through. So there really wasn't room for error. You you had to be very deliberate with what you were doing and and very on point with your timing too. A very hard fighting system to master. But as you progress through the game, you know, like most of these games, there's all these different weapons to find. There's one-handed swords, there's flails, there's staves. You can throw ninja stars, you know, shurikens. You can shoot arrows. And so basically, uh, you know, because we talked about it in our last Ninja Gaiden episode, you can do actual ninja stuff, Rob. Ooh. I know. But a little bit not ninja. You also had what they call ninpo spells. They're, they're magical spells. You could shoot fireballs, ice storms, lightning. Itagaki left the magic in there, but he really wanted to dissuade people from using it. And so you get bonus points for completing levels without using it. So basically you can only achieve the like S ranks if you don't use the magic, which is kind oh. of a, a, a cool way of, of leaving it in there, but not letting people get too uh, dependent on it, you know? Yeah, no, that's actually a really good idea. And like I said, I just only thing I Ninja Gaiden was hard. Everyone complained it was hard. Uh, it's not as hard, I don't think. I think I'm better at this game now because we, you know, there are a lot harder games. We're in the middle of what I would consider to be a harder game for a different reason. Um, but it was a, it was a very fast and fluid game. It was. It was a very fast and fluid game and gory. That was. It was gory too. But it, it's cool. It, it was. It was neat to get to see the series. It was neat to get to see the series turn into the modern, become modern, basically. So, I. Um, I think that's again much more common now than before. You know, uh, we see reboots and remasters constantly, but it, that wasn't always the case. But such such is time. Such is time, Dave. Yep. And Rob, since we're dealing with Elden Ring, uh, you know, we've talked about it a few times. And listeners, if you haven't looked at Elden Ring, all the game journalists rated it as near perfect, if not a perfect game. I think this is a good time to relate to that and chime in with critic reviews on Ninja Gaiden. And note that this is nothing new. Critics at the time did the same thing with Ninja Gaiden. And I think that I think that it's funny to look back at these and see and see how, how it works. So Rob, I pulled a bunch of, as usual, pulled a bunch of critic reviews uh, back from 2004 on what critics thought about the Ninja Gaiden reboot. Uh, so take it away from, take it away, take it away. Well, Dave, GameSpot called it one of the best, most challenging action adventure games ever made, rating it a 9.4 out of 10. They went on to write that everything about this game is superb or better. And there are, if there are any rough edges, they are only slightly noticeable in light of the game's extraordinary quality overall. The entire game looks beautiful and runs at a perfectly smooth frame rate, despite the amount of dynamic action and detail that's on screen at any given moment. The controls are highly intuitive. They're as responsive as possible, and they result in gameplay that has a surprising amount of depth. 
The enemies you'll face throughout Ryu's adventure are quite diverse, great looking, surprisingly smart, and mostly very dangerous. Ninja Gaiden is difficult, make no mistake about it. There are no weak enemies to be found, and you'll usually face several of them at once, or else you'll face one very tough, usually very large, boss opponent of some sort. Pattern recognition alone won't get you through this game, since most enemies don't follow obvious patterns in the first place, which means you'll need good reflexes and clever tactics besides. None of the fighting is unfair. It's just that this game requires and rewards skillful play. It truly feels like it was made in the spirits of its predecessors, classic action games that, above all, were meant to provide a fun challenge. I think that's fair. I like the way they put it. None of the fighting is unfair. It's just that it requires and rewards skillful play. Do you feel yeah. that way? Do you feel that way about Elden Ring? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I do. I do. Although I think that there's more pattern recognition in that one to be fair. very true as well. Yes. So, well, right. I have not played Ninja Gaiden, so I can't really. Yeah. Uh, Gaiden. That's fine. All right. What else we got? Well, Dave, IGN also gave it a 9.4 out of 10, writing that hype is tough to live up, and it seems whenever Team Ninja and Tamanobu Itagaki create a game for Xbox, the expectations go off the charts. With Ninja Gaiden, Itagaki pledged to create a game with incredible graphics, lightning-fast gameplay, an ocean of blood, and an experience to remember. Throughout the long development process, numerous things could have gone wrong to foil those lofty promises. With the wrong type of enemy AI, combat could have become a derivative experience. Had Team Ninja gone for cookie-cutter level design, a long game could have felt a whole lot longer. If the controls weren't perfect, the Prince of Persia-like platforming would have been a nightmare. However, none of these horrible things happen. If you've been tooting the horn of the hype train, keep on chugging, because Ninja Gaiden is one of the best action games around, filled with innovative design, a deep combat system, tons of secrets, and... Oh yes, enough blood to satisfy Carrie on prom night. Gross. Yeah. There are a few things Ninja Gaiden does wrong. There's some backtracking, some fights near the end that seem a bit unfair, and a camera that is at times bothersome. However, these minor points are just that. Minor. There is no perfect game, but there are those that come close. Ninja Gaiden sets a new standard for third-person action games in terms of length, depth, speed, and gore. It is Itagaki's masterpiece, easily Team Ninja's best work, and one of the finest games on the Xbox to date. Yep. Yep. All things that we still hear. Maybe not about Ninja Gaiden, but about other games. Rob, uh, I... I pulled some user reviews to talk about what gamers thought of it at the time, both good and bad. We got a little bit of drama here in the bunch. So yeah, mm. take it away. First up, we have Patrick from Metacritic who gave it a 10 writing that this game is incredible. 
As most everyone else has said, it is beautiful and fluid, and one of the most challenging games of its kind in a long time. While it is difficult throughout, and there are occasionally points that can be frustrating, it harkens to the old days when games were tests of skill. It is exceptionally satisfying when you defeat a difficult boss, and usually if you are inventive enough and you discover easy ways of accomplishing this. While the replay value of this game is arguable, as for myself, I can say that it's one of the few games I own that I felt compelled to play through a second time and find every last secret. Mm. But Dave, like with anything, there are people who didn't feel the same. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> so we have user Rick W from Metacritic who writes, this game is just pissing me off off i mean i just freaking suck at this game it's i'm so into these kind of games i was really looking forward to this game i bought it the first day it arrived at best buy and it's been the biggest letdown i've ever had buying a game the controls are horrible that's what bugs me and the fact that i can't get anywhere pisses me off to no end i suck the graphics are beautiful from what i've seen so far in the game but the controls are just pissing me off. I don't know. I can't even beat the first main boss, dude. Sigh. <laughs> yeah, did. I'm sure if I were better at the game, I'd rate it high. But this is giving me more trouble than any game I bought so far on my Xbox. Rick gave it a 1 out of 10. Mm-hmm. So he did. The story yeah. isn't in there, though. Oh. Well, it does not, Dave, because next we have Driana from Metacritic, who had something to say about that. Writing, Rick, you sucking at this game is your problem. The controls are absolutely masterful. You just can't button bash. It is easy to learn, hard to master game. Does not have any unfair challenges, just requires patience and skill. It is also, as Robert said, very diverse. Its only downside is the location of save points. They should be before, not after, tough challenges. By the way, I don't think they should have made it possible to save whatever you want. This would allow you to get past rooms by lucky shots, then save. It would therefore remove the need to be skillful enough to beat an enemy given time and time again, which would be a shame as just this that gives you the I rock more than 10 tons of flax. Driana gave this game a 10. She did. That's not at all. Oh, it's not, Dave, because also user Howard M was on the bash boat for Rick, writing that this is probably the most overrated game I've ever played. I judged games by how much enjoyment they give me compared with how frustrated they make me, and in that sense, the game is all take and practically no give. The game had a lot of potential, but any possible fun was sucked out of it by the ridiculous ridiculous difficulty level who exactly is meant to enjoy trying to beat the same boss 30 times in a row and having to wait for the game to load all over again when you invariably die within the first 10 seconds the camera is slightly worse than most games which wouldn't be too bad if it didn't lead to your death in about half of cases due to the aforementioned problem it's great eye candy shame most people will see none of it beyond the second level and genuinely fun when you're not constantly dying, which is very, 
very rarely. <laughs> Howard gave it a four out of ten. <laughs> oh. <sighs> and lastly, Dave, we have Ian C, who takes a similar stance, but with a different outcome. He writes, it's weird this one because you utterly adore it and hate its guts at the same time. Yes, scenery is beautiful. Yes, the fighting is balletic and graceful. And yes, it can be great fun to play. But yes, the camera can be a nightmare. And some fights can be so unforgiving that you have been pummeled to death by some character you've only just spotted. And before you know it, you are back to the last save and probably winding up to hurling that controller through the nearest window. Somehow, the game manages to slide from the sublime to the dire, depending entirely upon where you happen to be. One moment, you are in a big dojo, flipping and jumping, running along walls like Neo, and chucking shurikens left, right, and center, whooping for joy and having tremendous fun. The next, you're in a room full of crates at different sizes and heights, trying desperately to perform a simple three-step jump up to the top and not being able to because the camera keeps swinging around, disorienting you so you keep running up the wrong wall or bouncing off the wrong crate or just simply walking off the edge of the crate you just spent 10 minutes trying to get to the top of. And don't get me started on boss fights where you can't see the guy who is killing you because the camera is looking somewhere else entirely. Ah... There is genius game making in here, but there are titanic sized screw ups as well. And it will depend entirely upon how forgiving you can be of those things that will determine how you feel about Ninja Gaiden. It has to have an 8 for all the good things, but loses 2, and that's being nice, for the stupid little bad moments that knock what could have truly been the best action game ever. Oh, yeah. And why does super acrobatic ninja guy walk like he's in splints? Cramps from all the flipping and jumping? <laughs> and Dave, if it weren't obvious, Ian gave it an 8 out of 10. So there you go. People really a love-hate relationship with this game. I think there's a love-hate relationship with a lot of very difficult games, to be honest. Uh, this game was no exception to the rule. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. <laughs> I, just think, I think it's funny... You know, one person says something, the next person's like, hey, Rick, you suck, and that's why you don't like it. Hey, some people are brutally honest. They are. So, with that being said, I want to briefly touch on the series after the game as the reboot series kept going. You know, the modern version is also a trilogy. There were three Ninja Gaidens made after 2004, including that one. And it was actually just re-released as a Master Collection last year in 2021. Which you can find on Steam for $39.99 when I checked the other day. I still have an old download version of uh, Ninja Gaiden Black on my Xbox. So so let's talk about Ninja Gaiden Black. Because each game kept getting special releases. Black was the first secondary edition of the game in response to everyone complaining about the difficulty itagaki and team ninja added a new ninja dog easy game mode very reluctantly i might add 
<laughs> as you go through the game, the game actually mocks you. You are given colored ribbons as accessories. And at one point, they change the dialogue when you meet one of the other significant characters in the game. I won't give it away because they're from the Dead or Alive series. You do meet you do meet characters from the Dead or Alive series. Uh, but when you meet that character, their dialogue has changed and now they treat you as you are inferior to them. And he overcomp- he compensated for the easy mode. Uh, they upped the difficulty on all the other difficulty levels, normal included. And they also added a step up, which was a new, very hard Master Ninja mode. It didn't always stay on Xbox. It was eventually brought over to PlayStation. Uh, on the PS3, they added some content. You could play as a, another character. There were some other gameplay tweaks and additions. And this became known as Ninja Gaiden Sigma. Each of the three games in the series have kind of followed this trajectory. And the Sigma versions are all the definitive versions that can be found in the Master Collection. So it's got, you know, one, two, and three Sigma uh, yeah, and so Ninja Gaiden as a reboot is obviously, it's still a thing because, like I said, we just got a remaster collection last year and it's available on, like I said, Windows. It's on the Nintendo Switch. It's on PS4 and it's on Xbox One. And as far as I'm concerned, if people didn't want it, it wouldn't exist. Maybe, maybe, maybe. there's always exceptions to the rules. You know what I mean? There are always exceptions to the rules. Always exceptions. But I definitely think the people want it. You think so? Yeah, I mean, I I know quite a few who've played it. I just haven't gotten to myself. You'd really like it. I I always tell people, if you like hard games like Dark Souls, you should play it, which is you. And if you like action-adventure games like Devil May Cry, play it, which is you. Uh... It, it is a very it, it, it ticks off both those boxes and I think that it plays more like Devil May Cry than God of War so I really do think you would enjoy you would enjoy these games um, I do I think you'd really enjoy these games definitely on my list especially being that there's a Windows version yeah I yeah I'm I'm really interested by the fact that there's a switch version I think it's really cool that they're bringing a lot of games to switch I really like the concept of portable gaming but I never really take I can't say I never take advantage of it I just don't really have a great portable gaming device other than the switch although the steam decks are starting the steam decks are out finally that people are starting to get them and so far the feedback on them has been very positive and I'm not gonna lie I would like one but I said that about my VR headset and I haven't really been playing it a lot lately. I, I, I put it on like once a week right now, so I should probably get back to beating some of my VR experiences. Yeah. Yeah. You too. True. We got to get you back into some of those. So yeah, but that's it, Rob. That's Ninja Gaiden. It was hard, but good. It was a good story, but it was hard. <laughs> <laughs> But that's what makes it so fun. Very true. And like I said, you know, it was a reboot for the series of which we did the original in the series about a year ago. And if you'd like to go back and check out our old episodes, you could do so on our website, which is www.memorycardlane.com. Um, also on our website, you can find all of my resources. Uh, I, I, I Everywhere I source uh, the information I do, I, I, I put the links for on my show notes. Also, I've updated our calendar so it shows you every topic. 
that we're going to cover from now through May. And if you would like us to uh, talk about your stories or read your reviews, you there is a submit button under each episode where you can email us. You can email us uh, your 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 memories of it, um, and, and that goes for common gamers. You know, uh, I just had another person who's not a big gamer tell me the other day they listened to our podcast. So I know there are a lot of you who uh, just kind of check it out word of mouth because you know me. Thank you, I appreciate that. I hope you're learning something. I hope we're not we're covering more of the learning side and not the game side. I I know I'd really try to emphasize that. Uh, to make us a little different from some other, you know, video game history podcasts. So also you can find a link to our Patreon. If you'd like to support this web, this website and (laughs) web podcast, Uh, a link to our discord. If you'd like to join us Uh, and also our social media links, I'm on Twitter as David is wrong. And Rob, you're still on Twitch these days, right? Yep. F A T B O I R I P Z. I will tell you. So we, we do the streaming thing, but not as much on Twitch more so in our discord. Uh, mostly cause we just like to, you know, shoot the crap with our friends about it. Uh, so I would highly suggest joining our discord if you would like to be part of our community. Cause that kind of is our community. So, uh, so yeah. And, and that's that. Rob, anything, any questions, comments, concerns, anything you want to know that, you know, maybe I just only briefly touch base on about this game? Um, no, I think you, you explained it pretty well. I think it's just I need to actually play it for myself and see what it's like. Oh, yeah? You need to play it for yourself, huh? Yep. I agree. You should really play it. I, I know I say that about some games, but I do really think that this one is genuinely up your alley. I'm not really just saying that. So, uh, okay. Well, every week, uh, you know, we try to teach you all something new about the game, what it took from the world as its inspiration or what it gave back to the world as its legacy. As part of that commitment, uh, we learn by teaching you, we learn things too. And so at the end of each episode, we like to go around round table and talk about our biggest takeaways uh, from each episode. So, Rob, what did you learn today? Uh, I mean, it's I had no idea that it was the same team that made Dead or Alive. It's kind of crazy to think. Also, you learned that Tecmo does stuff other than Tecmo, Tecmo Bowl. Yeah, that that too. That, yeah. That's yeah. Well, there's there definitely some interesting facts today. <laughs> Because you're like, I don't really know what else Tecmo does. Here, hold my beer. <laughs> right? Yeah. I knew. I know you know the Dead or Alive series. Everyone knows the Dead or Alive. Well, if you're into gaming, I think at one point a Dead or Alive game has been on your radar. At least if you game through the Xbox 360. I don't think fighting games nearly have as much prominence nowadays. So if you're just joining us now, maybe not. Uh, I believe Dead or Alive 6 was a 2019 release. So it's been a few years since we've had one. And honestly, I didn't even know it existed. So it kind of flew under the radar. But yeah. You know. What what, did you learn, Dave? I. What did I learn? What did I learn? I learned about Itagaki. I mean, I know Itagaki. Uh, he has a reputation in the gaming industry. He's the weird guy that holds samurai swords and has sunglasses. Uh, so I know about him and Team Ninja and everything, but I never really paid attention to his start. 
it it may not be a long history, but I was interested to find out that he got his start by being a programmer on Super Tech Mobile. And then basically he gambled his career and made a bet with the president of Tecmo that he could make a better game than Virtual Fighter. And it's kind of awesome if you think about that because the man delivered and, you know, now he's, well, he's no longer with Tecmo and Team Ninja, but he had a, a storied history with that based on a bet. He bet the president that he could do it. The president was like, all right, sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how weird is that? Pretty weird. Pretty, pretty, pretty freaking weird, man. I know. All right, Rob. Well, anything else you want to say before I take it out of here? Well, as always, I just want to take a moment to say thank you to everyone for listening. It means the world to us, and we hope you're having a great time with us. Well, I let's take it in next week, Rob. Next week, we're going to look at not a game necessarily, but a developer and not, probably not a very well-known one either. Their significance is that they were one of the first companies that was able to work around the lockout chips on NES cartridges, and therefore they started to produce they started to produce unlicensed games, uh, and, and that became a thing in the gaming industry. And as a result of the fallout for that, they became basically the largest American developer of Christian video games. Oh, I, I, I don't even know if you know that's a genre, but there's a whole genre of Christian video games. Yeah, I was not aware of that. And Wisdom Tree is the developer that makes most of them. And next week, we're going to learn all about them. We're going to learn about how they got their start. We're going to learn about their big showdown with Nintendo. And we're going to learn about everything that they've done since then. It'll be a little bit different of an episode focused focused on a developer. Um, but there's a lot of kind of cool things in there. So join us again next week, I guess, as we take a biblical trip down memory card lane. Do the thing. Do-do-ba-ba-do-ba-do-ba-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-ba-do